Easter, and you're listening to the Shift to Freedom podcast, the podcast that gives you the mindsets, strategies, tips, and tricks to live your freedom and love your life. If you're here, I suspect that you have a total badass inside you, but chances are that you haven't let it play full out yet. Maybe you've been told not to, that it's too much, maybe you've been worried about what other people will think, or maybe you just haven't made the space to shine. If any of that sounds familiar, you've come to the right place. Each week, my co-hosts and I will be exposing the lies that keep that badass chained and, more importantly, sharing the tools to help you break free and share that most authentic you with the world. So, if you want more freedom, possibility, or courage, then I'd invite you to take a deep breath, get curious, and listen carefully for your shift to freedom. Welcome back to the Shift to Freedom podcast. I'm here with my lovely wife, Paige. And uh, we are today, we're going to talk about one of my very favorite Disney movies, uh, Aladdin. We're going to talk about some of the themes that are in there, what we can learn about freedom from Aladdin and, uh, and some of the themes that exist in the, in the uh, subconscious mind that is represented through the story of Aladdin. So happy to talk about this story, Paige. As you know, I've been singing this these songs <laughs> for days. For days. Um, before we hop in, I just want to kind of remember uh, like the point of this segment of the podcast. So our intention with this is to use Disney movies and find those really useful metaphors within them that we can use for our own personal development. So that's kind of what we're up to. I'm super excited to dig into this. I know that you have been looking forward to this one for a long time since we started. Yeah, we actually skipped ahead. Yeah, originally we were going to go and watch the videos in order, but we decided we're going to we're going to be bopping around. Um, Let's change it up. We'll do our favorite ones, uh, you know, and then we'll, we'll see what happens after. that. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So a uh, quick review of the story. Quick. Yeah. Go for help, help it. Help me if I miss any any pieces. OK. Uh, so Aladdin is street rat dreaming of living in the palace. Someday he is a thief. Uh, that's how he makes his food and um but he's also kind of like a robin hood style because he gives it to the other street urchins you can see uh in one of the scenes <clears throat> he's uh, he's got like a noble heart rising action happens when uh, jafar is trying to get into the cave of wonders and he is he has hired some thief to get in there anyway can't get in the cave of wonder only lets in one person the diamond in the rough jafar goes and he he's the vizier to the sultan he tries to figure out he tricks the sultan into giving him his ring so that he can figure out who this diamond in the rough is finds out it's aladdin arrests aladdin puts him in prison aladdin then in prison meets this mysterious stranger that actually is jafar in disguise jafar convinces him to go into the cave of wonders touch nothing but the, bring me the lamp first the rest of the treasure is yours but bring me the lamp first the cave of wonder however warns aladdin only to touch the lamp but he uh being the only worthy person that was allowed in there also brings in Abu, his thieving little... <laughs> monkey sidekick. And his monkey sidekick. Monkey sidekick can't resist him, uh, so he touches the thing, melts down. Then turns out to find that the lamp is, in fact, a magic lamp of the genie. Genie grants wishes. There's some uh, provisos that he can't... Um, wish Kinds of wishes that he can't grant. Aladdin tricks him into getting out of the thing. He makes him into a prince. He goes to... The try to win the princess's heart. Oh, ja oh, we missed Jasmine. He meets Jasmine. She she goes into the um into the market to meet him, and she's she's a desperate princess. She's trapped in this life of luxury. 
And anyway, so then he wants to win her hand in marriage. Hilarity ensues. <laughs> Drama ensues. A magic carpet ride ensues. And then um, Jafar gets jealous, tries to kill Aladdin. And then um, Aladdin comes back because the genie saves him. Uh, if you're counting, he actually doesn't get all of his wishes. <laughs> Aladdin. It's unfortunate. Um, but then he... Uh, so anyway, then Jafar finds the lamp, steals it, becomes the all-powerful genie. Uh, Aladdin promised to to free the genie, but then didn't do it. And so then Aladdin, or so then Jafar was able to steal the lamp, become a uh, Sultan. And then, Oh, uh, the all powerful sorcerer. And then an all powerful genie. That's the conclusion of the story. Kind of Aladdin finally comes good on his, on his uh, promise to free the genie. And then we have the end of the story. So um, I love this story. I ran through it really quickly. Cause last time we got caught in the, <laughs> in, the in the details for a long time, but, Things that I think are really interesting about this are, is this theme of um, kind of freedom versus security. And I think that's something that we face as, uh, especially business owners, mm-hmm. uh, there, there's the the ever present risk of, you know, going out on your own because ja- here we have Jasmine who is, she's in the lap of luxury. She's got everything she could possibly want, suitors out the yin yang. Uh, and then she's, she's got, you know. A, a pet tiger, <laughs> a garden, a menagerie, and all these things. Uh, but she's not happy because she doesn't get to live for love. And so she's trying to, to go and leave the thing. So it's really interesting that we have this tension because Aladdin, he wants nothing more than to be in the palace. Mm-hmm. And that's like this the first tension that we have. It's like a typical the grass is always greener on the other side kind of scenario. Totally. Yeah, because she actually winds up escaping the palace. That's how they first meet is because she, mm-hmm. she dresses down. Pretends to be a you know a peasant and then goes out into the market where she accidentally steals uh, an apple because she doesn't know about money apparently <laughs> she has no idea <laughs> she gives it to this little kid which it's funny that she and Aladdin both have that in common they give their stolen food to to kids so the, we had this Robin Hood theme mm-hmm. right I, I thought it was really interesting how um, how much of an emphasis they place on stealing yeah stealing makes stealing. a a lot of like appearances in the show yeah and almost like, like a kind of it's display kind of like tongue-in-cheek like it's not really that bad almost in a way yeah exactly <clears throat> like it's like kind it's, of funny you know, like abu plays these tricks and he like steals the watermelon and yeah yeah totally and even the line in aladdin's song like i steal only what i can't afford and that's everything uh, you know, so it's like he's 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 allowed to steal just because he needs. I think that's a really interesting um, kind of mindset or mm. theme that happens in stories. We see it again in Robin Hood. Yeah, exactly. In Robin Hood, obviously, that's the the quintessential snob yeah. from the rich gives to the poor thing. But he, but see, the, Aladdin's not robbing from the rich. That's the in- other interesting thing is he's just robbing from merchants. He's just trying to take care of himself. Yeah, and, and take care of others as yeah. well. Yeah, but there's also like kind of in, in our society a theme kind of around like being respectable and getting like a respectable job. And if you don't, then you're kind of like a bum or a hippie or whatever. Yeah, well, and you see that when he, the the prince that's going to court uh, Jasmine, mm-hmm. he's he's going to, you know, the the kids run in front of him, stop his horse, and he's about to whip them. And yeah. Aladdin comes and stops the whip with his arm. And then they have a little exchange. Yeah. And he calls him a street rat. He says, you'll never amount to anything. I'm, you know, fancy or whatever. Yeah. And then he goes and he kind of closes him out of the of the palace. Yeah. I'm really interested in this because I think that as a society, 
we have a lot of depictions in our media of kind of the demonization of the wealthy. And I get curious about that because we see that in like money mindset with our clients of like, well, if I become really successful, then I'll have a lot of money and then I'll be a bad person like the guy in Aladdin that's like so wealthy that he feels like entitled to hit children for being in his way. I just get really interested in that kind of being perpetuated over time and the impact that it has on our subconscious. A lot of us don't even know that those kind of archetypes or conceptualizations are even operating in the background. So it's nice to kind of pull them out and make them explicit and get curious about like, is that running in my psyche? Like, could that be something that's holding me back? Mm, totally. That's a really great point uh, because you, you can see that by the end, Aladdin becomes actually sultan because he marries marries jasmine mm-hmm. but before that when he is made into a prince he sort of puts on like a, a bravado as exactly he, yeah like, bravado oh, and he's like he's like arrogant and like yeah not he's not very genuine and he's not really likable mm-hmm. as that character that yeah. he, that he puts on and it's almost like he believes that that's what being a prince or being wealthy means is to be that arrogant person so you can see that Ooh, yeah, that's so interesting. I, I love that you bring that up because that I think is one of the really important themes for me in the movie is this because Jasmine actually wants the street rat and he's like trying yes, to hide right, that part of his identity about himself and trying to pose as something better than what he really is. And I, I, I get really curious about like the, you know, as we're trying to present ourselves to the world, how much energy it takes for him. Like, it's such a beautiful depiction of how much energy it takes to, like, keep your story straight and, like, pretend. And then ultimately, like, it's all for naught because she actually wanted the original, actual, authentic Aladdin all along. Right. But see, he's dealing with unworthiness. Mm, right. Yeah. Because he, from the very beginning, he's like, everybody's always telling him that he's a street rat, that he's an urchin, he'll never amount to anything, a scoundrel. <clears throat> and then um, you, you see him like putting on air. He literally like, that's what he uses. Actually, that's the only wish that he uses for himself is to become this image of a prince, mm-hmm. right? Because he tricks the genie into letting him out of the cave. But then he becomes like he he wishes to be a prince. The his technically his quote unquote second wish the genie makes for him mm-hmm. on his behalf as he's like dying under the uh, as he's been like thrown into the ocean mm-hmm. by the guards, um, and so then he uses the last one for, to free the genie. So the only wish that he makes for himself is to be better than he is, quote unquote, mm. right? And he he doesn't understand that he's already who Jasmine wanted. Look, mm-hmm. he is the one who's worthy to get into the cave of wonders. The one diamond in the rough yeah. that the cave of wonders kind of, you know, is mm-hmm. the, is the arbiter of who's yeah. worthy. Which is interesting right? because he is, he doesn't have that awareness. He is not in the know that he's the diamond in the rough. Like Jafar has all of that information yeah. captive. Jafar from didn't him. Tell him, yeah. yeah, exactly. What do you think about, I'm just coming up with this idea as we're talking about this, but it seems like there might be some kind of uh, like tension between authenticity and worthiness. And I was just thinking about like, tell me more. Well, I, I, in the story, I think it's so such an important part of the story that Aladdin is showing up in authentic and it's actually to his detriment, but it comes from Mm. a place of lack of worthiness. And it seems like if, we had within us an embedded sense of worthiness, then that would be the kind of thing that could help us leverage and access our authenticity. 
and free up one energetic resources because now we're no longer hiding. And two, I mean, the beautiful thing about authenticity, I think, is that we get to step into who we actually are. And maybe it's kind of like from a spiritual perspective, I think that there's necessarily value in coming into the world being the way you are. And so getting to leverage that value and be the thing that people really want to have around and benefit from and make contributions from a place of authenticity instead of a place of some people. What do you mean? I mean, I I think it's really interesting the point that you're making because as his authentic self, Jasmine really likes him Mm -hmm. as his authentic self. The Sultan really likes him, right? Mm -hmm. As his authentic self, Jafar hates his guts, <laughs> right? So he he puts on these airs of who he thinks he should be to shore up his insecurities. Mm-hmm. And that actually, because he's acting inauthentically, it actually turns off Jasmine. Yeah. Right? But when he's acting as his, himself, as the street rat, as mm-hmm. himself, just his playful, you know, charming mm-hmm. self, Jasmine really likes him. Yeah. So in being authentic, okay, so it... Because again, he doesn't have a framework for this because he's his like his one wish is to be better than he is to be a prince. And look what the prince is. It's like that list that everybody always says, oh, what I'm looking for in a man is somebody who's rich and somebody who's strong and somebody who's, you know, well connected and all these all these things. I get curious about is it is it that he wants to be a prince or is it that he wants to be with Jasmine and that's what it takes to be with Jasmine? That's what I'm saying. He wants to be the thing that he thinks Jasmine wants. Mm, okay. Right. He's got this story about what he believes Jasmine wants. Mm-hmm. This list of characteristics. Yeah. He's strong. He, f- he defeated the galloping mm-hmm. hordes. 100 bad guys with swords. Who sent those goons to their lords? My Prince Ali. <laughs> I knew it. So- I knew you were going to sing. <laughs> I knew it. So he's, so he's got this, you know, he's got these, um, these uh these characteristics these qualities like he's trying to meet her list of Mm things you know everybody's got that list that oh well you know these are the things that are my Mm -hmm. what i'm really looking for an ideal you know characteristics Mm -hmm. of a partner or whatever and he's trying to become what he thinks is her list Mm -hmm. i just want to i want to can i just i want to just interject for just a second uh because i think that what you're talking about in the realm of romantic is also happening for our clients in the realm of being a business owner and what they think this prescribed list of things that they need to be in order to cut it i just wanted to point out that parallel yeah totally that you th- that they think they should be mm-hmm. for sure absolutely yeah and so he's acting inauthentically Right. Mm-hmm. Because he thinks that's what he should be. Yeah. And when he does that, when he's inauthentic, he turns off the people that he's actually closest values mm-hmm. aligned with. Yeah. And who he actually wants. Whereas if he were to just be himself. Right. Mm-hmm. He did. Now, look, there's some barriers to getting uh, a hold of Jasmine. But shoot, she was able to sneak out of the castle. He probably could sneak into the castle if he was just able to get a hold of her. But he's got all these barriers up in his mind and he's got his own sense of self-esteem problems. Mm-hmm. That's that's the thing that's going on is he's trying to like put on this image, this arrogant air mm-hmm. in order to shore up his own insecurities for himself. Whereas if he were to just show up and love himself and be himself the way that he is when he's by himself mm-hmm. with Abu, his best friend, right? Yeah. Then all of a sudden he would be attracting the sultan and the princess because that's what they were ultimately attracted to in the end mm-hmm. anyway. 
right? And you would be turning off Jafar, who is the... So this is the, what I'm saying is, I think it's so important to live in alignment with who we are. Yeah. Because living in alignment with who we are draws in the ones that we're in values alignment with mm-hmm. and it pushes away the ones that we are out of values alignment with. And that's as it mm. as we want it to be, right? Yeah. I, I think what I was saying originally was that plus it seems like a reasonable antidote for kind of not living in or for like living out of authenticity would be to cultivate a sense of worthiness. Because if Aladdin knew what Jasmine and the Sultan already believed about him, if he already believed that about himself, none of the inauthenticity journey would have even happened. And he could have skipped forward on a lot of the like trials and tribulations and just ultimately gotten to where he got faster. Totally. And in fact, it's interesting because if he wasn't so concerned about being this prince that he was supposed to be or being this person that he thought he should be, right? Mm -hmm. He wouldn't have been saving Genie's last wish because he remember he promised to free Genie. But then the reason he didn't free him after his second wish was because Genie was asking him, right? Was it, he's like, I can't, Jeannie. She, she'll never love the street rat that I am. She'll, she, I can't do this without you. I can't yeah. do it without being the prince, right? And because of that, he didn't free the genie. And because he didn't free the genie, Jafar was able to access the lamp. Mm. And all of the problems that wound up happening, wound up happening, right? Yeah, <clears throat> totally. Yeah. Well, something that I also kind of get really interested about this story is what the, like the, metaphor of the genie is because the genie is meant to in my mind it's meant he's meant to represent like infinite possibilities and like Mm -hmm. all your wishes can come true and whatever you really want in the world but ultimately every person who made a wish in the movie didn't end up with a successful outcome except by the nature of their own personal character like aladdin made this wish to be a prince but it actually got in the way in to a certain extent got in the way of him getting in the good graces of the Sultan and, and Jasmine. And like Jafar, he had his full three wishes. And it was like this level of incre- like increasing levels of power that he was trying to attain that ultimately made him a prisoner and turned him into a genie. And so he wasn't able, even though there was these really powerful wishes at their disposal, nobody actually like was able to get where they were wanting to go except like through those wishes, like like those wishes didn't do it for them. Yeah. Kind of despite the wishes. Yeah. In spite of, yeah. Yeah. In spite of the wishes. So uh, I think that's really interesting. First of all, I think there's a couple of things there. Uh, One wanted to point out because remember it's touch nothing but the lamp. Okay. You've got this cave of wonders and it's literally filled with forbidden treasure. They call it forbidden treasure. Mm -hmm. Right. So that's like the shiny object syndrome. Mm. I think. Right. There's so many shiny objects in there, literally shiny objects. Right. But touch nothing but the lamp. So the point is, and the lamp is a simple thing that doesn't seem like it has any value. It's off by itself in an austere location. And it, and it takes an actual the, the most journey to get to. So it's the farthest <laughs> into the cave and he has to climb that big staircase to get to it. Right. So I think this is about um, the, the magic of the lamp is about the single pointed focus on a goal mm-hmm. and not getting turned aside by the shiny objects, mm. right? 
And if you look at the metaphor, uh, at the full story arc, right, uh, that's actually what happens to Aladdin is he's so focused on Jasmine that he winds up getting her by the end. Mm-hmm. But he almost gets distracted by the shiny objects of the it, yeah. of being a prince and all of what that means. Yeah. Right? This reminds me of this. This reminds me of kind of the theme of like fear of missing out of what if I go through this long, arduous journey towards this single like focused thing and I don't get there or it doesn't pan out. So maybe I'll just start pulling at the shiny objects in front of me and kind of then I have too many things on my plate. I see this with clients. So it's really interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, because each one of those shiny objects represents a quote-unquote way that he could get to what he wants. I mean, what's the one wish that he w- wishes for is basically wealth, the yeah. presentation of wealth. He doesn't actually get a princedom anywhere. He just gets camels and mm-hmm. peacocks and monkeys. He got the monkeys. He got the Stop monkeys. It. <laughs> and uh, that's my that's my favorite song in the whole movie. Um, so he so all he gets is what the shiny objects would have quote unquote gotten him anyway Mm -hmm. that big ruby if he had kept the ruby for instance he could theoretically have bought all those other things Mm -hmm. for himself right um but it's the journey that he goes through in the focus of his his real goal which Mm -hmm. is love and it's by the way that's the same thing for jasmine too and we have this um we do have this like dichotomy or this tension that exists in the story between love and law between love and the rules and, mm-hmm. and, and also in power that's happening, right? Because Jafar wants power to try to make love happen. In fact, he uses one of his wishes, well, tries to use one of his wishes mm-hmm. to get Jasmine to love him, but it, that's not one of the wishes that can be <laughs> granted, right? But the genie isn't able to tell him that. But the point is, he's trying to make things happen with power, mm-hmm. right? And Jasmine, who has all the power in the first place, she started off powerful, She's trying to make love happen, true love happen, and, and despite the laws that are existing, I think that's another interesting tension that shows mm-hmm. up in the in the story is this kind of dichotomy between uh, like the rules, what you're supposed mm-hmm. to do, and your and following your heart, what you love. Mm-hmm. Right? And uh, yeah, it, so it's 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 mirrored there too. Yeah, I also I think we've talked about this in other episodes as well, but this kind of. Uh, rigidity versus flexibility and the maintenance of the rules and the laws and them having kind of reason to create an order out of chaos. Um, But in this story, ultimately the Sultan is like, well, what am I even going to be Sultan for if I can't change the law? So from here out, yeah, at the end, the princess can marry whoever she wants, whoever she sees fit. And he changes the law, but it's through kind of the awareness that he then gets by seeing that um, even though Aladdin is so such a like a, a good candidate to marry his daughter, he can't because he's not actually a prince, and so he ultimately changes the law. And so this kind of tension between uh, the laws wanting to maintain order, but also a certain level of flexibility or like m- moving away from excessive rigidity for the sake of like what are we actually here for? Yeah, that, that's the tension that you'll see just again and again and again throughout mythic ar- archetype. Is because mm-hmm. my the one I always go to is King Triton and Eric. Yeah, this is the same exact dynamic. The Sultan yeah. is the representative of the law. He's old. He's doddering. He he plays with his toys all day. He doesn't yeah. actually like. So it's like all these laws have gotten stale, and they don't represent the desires of the actual people because the laws are there to keep us safe in the first mm-hmm. place. That's the whole point: is to keep us 
And and there is an unspoken tension between look at this sultan living in this palace, and meanwhile look at the all of the rest of Agrabah, which is mm-hmm. everybody's living in mud, you know, adobe, you know, buildings, kind of scrapping along to make ends meet, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. We see prostitutes and merchants and beggars, basically. Those are the only ones that we see out in the in society. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so we have so we have this tension because that Jasmine leaves she she's like that's what the rising action how we first get the rising action in this the whole thing that makes that motivates aladdin is this love of this woman and he meets her because she escapes from the rigid Mm -hmm. hierarchy of the law that she lives in with her dad Mm -hmm. which has now become ineffectual right because it doesn't represent the actual people in the society Mm -hmm. i think we have this going on right now in our in our law is that we have all this law and this militarized police force because that's look that causes problems too jafar the one who is after power he controls the police force and they are violence first very aggressive always coming in swords drawn right and and never listening to the story of what's going on Mm. don't even listen to jasmine who's the right (laughs) who is the the voice of reason uh, but it's really interesting that there's that that dichotomy, and it shows up again and again. But this is the dichotomy between freedom and power. Mm. Again, the one that we have when we're raising kids. Kids are wild animals, and our job is to try to like enculture them so that they understand the rules of society, so that they can get along with everybody else and ultimately live meaningful, fulfilling lives. The tension then is between the freedom of the individual and the rules, mm. because if the rules get too structured we lose freedom as an individual, right? And mm-hmm. if there's not enough rules, then we have... Chaos. Uh, chaos, yeah. I always think about the example of of roads because, like, thinking about if we all walk on the left or we all walk on the right or drive on the left or drive on the right, and if we don't have that kind of rule or agreement amongst all of us, it's just chaos and nothing gets accomplished. Totally. It's really hard to get anywhere <laughs> because you, you're, you're, na- you're having to navigate at each individual mm-hmm. line, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there was another thing that I wanted to... Oh, I did want to point this out. Like, I, uh, I thought this was really interesting. That, so Jafar, the representation of evil, the dark man with a dark purpose, mm-hmm. uh, as the story starts, is um, the way that he fights Aladdin when, they're, when they actually come to confrontation. So he first he's using the militarized police force. That's how he kind of does it. But once he steps into the fullness of his evil, right? The way that he fights Aladdin is by taking away his friends. He unravels carpet. He turns Abu into a monkey. He traps uh, Jasmine in that hourglass. Mm -hmm. Turns Raja into a a, a kitty cat. Mm -hmm. So what he does is he, he, the way that he attacks Aladdin, I think is really interesting is yes, he attacks him directly, but, but first he removes his support system. Mm. Because what really makes Aladdin heroes strong mm-hmm. is their allies that they have. And you can see that evil, he doesn't have, he only has Iago with him. And then he has his militarized police force that he can mm-hmm. control. But it's really all power for Jafar. It's not, nobody, there's no like relationship that's mutual and beneficial mm-hmm. in, in Jafar's relationship. So I just thought that was an interesting thing to, for people to be on the lookout for. Mm-hmm. Realize that darkness, one of the ways that darkness works to disempower us is to take us away from our friends. <laughs> to isolate. To take us away from connection. Yeah, to isolate us. Mm-hmm. So depression does that, right? When we're feeling insecurity, <clears throat> a lot of times that happens, right? That we'll step away from our friends mm-hmm. when, we, when we quote unquote need them most. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So I just think that's something really useful is because the, the opposite then is true too. If we want to fight darkness, 
find your friends. Yeah. Find the people with whom your values align. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. That's a good one. Anything else uh, that you had on your list to talk about? Um, well, something that caught my attention in this story uh, was around kind of inspiration to change. Because I think that in both of these stories, there are like in both Aladdin and Jasmine's story, there's this kind of things are going as they are. And then at some point there's a breaking point and then uh, reason for change. So for Aladdin, like being a street rat was fine. And he even kind of invites Jasmine in and shows her how great it is and his view of the palace and how much freedom he has. And then he falls in love with he totally her. Mansplains her <laughs> he mansplains her. He mansplains it to her. When he's, when he's, when he's uh, pole vaulting over and he's like, oh, I'll take care of you. And he like goes to put the board <laughs> down so that she can walk across it and she just like vaults over it. I'm a, I'm a fast learner. Yeah. Um, and so it's that he falls in love with her that he's then inspired to action, to make some sort of change, to like no longer just be satisfied with the day in day out of being a street rat. He wants to improve himself. And one way to kind of look at this metaphor is like, well, as a woman, you get to be like the inspiration for a man's change. And that's the typical Disney princess story where then she gets the prince at the end and she's cared for. Right. But another way to look at it is maybe in this case, Jasmine is also just kind of a metaphor for it as Aladdin really wants something and then starts making movements towards it, then his whole world changes and improves. And I get really interested in, as we're in our world, how explicit as are we being about what is inspiring us into change? Like, what is even the point of being here? What are we striving for? What are we trying to achieve? And just being really explicit about that. Otherwise, it can kind of feel like a meandering existence. And I just think there's a lot of value in being pointedly moving towards something that's inspiring you into action. Mm. Well, uh, so two things. One, absolutely. Because I, I think that that idea, that is like the idea of radical commitment. Mm -hmm. What is the thing that is such a lovable project? Because look at all of the hardships that he faces on his way to falling in mm -hmm. love with Jasmine. He goes to prison. He they, they they try to murder him. He gets trapped in the Cave of Wonders. All these things happen just so that he can fall in love with this woman. Mm -hmm. right? Like that's that's his motivating force. And um, and so I think like finding that lovable project. What is that thing that you're willing to face all of the yeah. all those challenges and all of those risks to get right? Because they're gonna come. That I think is something that's really important and really beautiful to notice. Also, I do want to notice. Too that it's not that see Jasmine's not waiting around to be saved. In this. Mm -hmm, yeah, I think Jasmine's a really powerful princess. She's uh, she and it's it kind of tongue in cheek in that thing with the pole vaulting. Mm -hmm. right? like, she's taking care of herself, and she's going to take care of herself. And in fact, she said no to every prince that came by, and Raja, her tiger, has like attacked them. Right, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and she feigns innocent, but she's she doesn't want any of them. She's motivated by love. And she's going to get what she wants in the world. Because she's also doing her own mm -hmm, journey mm -hmm. as well. Yeah, She wants to not have to just marry someone because they're a prince. Mm -hmm. She has to marry a prince and it's the law, right? She wants to, to live for love. So she's got her own motivation. And she's not waiting around to be saved. I like that. Mm -hmm. Jasmine. Yeah. She's like going to do her, her damn thing. She, in fact, she's like, go jump off a balcony. She tells Aladdin. <laughs> right? Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Cool. This was a great conversation, Paige. Uh, there's there's a lot of things. Let's just recap some some of the the major themes. Uh, one, beware the imposter syndrome. Uh, realize your your true worth 
is what will drive your um, kind of progress through the world. Love picking a lovable project and then understanding your values and being authentic mm-hmm. to your values in the pursuit of that will speed your journey up and, and save you a ton of problems mm. <laughs> and, and misalignments. Um, I think that was a really uh, good summation. Oh, you got more? Yeah. And so, and seek, seek your friends. Yeah. Seek your friends. Oh, that's you know, a good one. Especially when darkness attacks, seek your friends. Yeah. I cool. think it's such a, a myth that we have to go at it alone. So it's a good reminder that people are values aligned with us and they actually care what we're up to in the world and they want to play a support role. So that's a good reminder. We just have to give them the opportunity. Totally. Okay, Benjamin, one last song. Do it. Just a little, give us a little teaser. I can show you. Oh, I love it. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, my love. Uh, Yeah, it was great talking to you. Thanks, Pidgey. Love you. Thanks so much for listening to the Shift to Freedom podcast. If you want to get the most out of your time here, think about this. What's the one thing from this episode that resonated the most for you? Asking that simple question can help anchor in your insights and remember who you want to be. If there was even a single thought in today's episode that helps you to become even 1% more free, then we are thrilled. If so, would you do us a favor? We're on a mission to spread the message of freedom and we could use your help. See, the algorithms love it when we get reviews, shares, comments, and likes, and then that helps other people like you to find the podcast and just maybe change their lives. So if you like what we're doing and you want to generate some positive karma for the day, please write us a review wherever you get your podcast love. See you next week. And in the meantime, live your freedom and love your life.